Hi, and welcome to Fossilfern Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, and it will both challenge and inspire you. Thank you, Lord. Be with us tonight, I pray. Let your will be done. Touch, touch your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Uh, tonight I want to read from Psalm 126. I'm going to read the whole psalm. Pretty impressive, eh? But it's only six verses, so. Um, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless, doubtlessly come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This morning we answered the question, or we looked at the question and, the question and tried to answer the question from Psalm 137 verse 4. How shall we sing a, the Lord's song in a foreign land? And to, in a foreign land and tonight um, is very similar I want to look at the why, though, why we can sing, why we should keep singing even when it looks like there is nothing to sing about uh, but for remorse and regret. And I want to immediately jump to verse 4 to start the night off. So Psalm 126, verse 4, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now, because of the way it's translated in English, he's not actually asking that you put us back into bondage. He's not saying that. He's, he's referring about coming back, bringing back and undoing all the, the uh, consequences of their rebellion, bringing them back from captivity. They, they actually were in captivity, but the people were called the captivity. And, and so when he says... Um, bring back our captivity. He's not talking about going back again into prison or anything like that. He's saying, hey, God, bring us back. Bring the captivity back. Bring us back to that place. But most interestingly, he says, as the streams in the south. Uh, now, this is interesting, and we've got to, to get the fullness of this, you have to do a little bit of um, geography and, and understand something of the weather there because the south was actually a very dry, arid land with a very low rainfall, a very little rain in that area. But it did rain a lot on the distant mountains. So remember, he's saying, you know, bring us back like the streams, like the way the water flows. And, and I thought that's really significant, and especially for us right now, in our personal lives and the life of the church, this is incredibly significant for us. So 
it might look like we're in a dry, arid land that historically, the proven, has very little rainfall. Um, but there's something else going on here. Uh, the celebration, the song that we've just read, wasn't written at the high water mark of the return, right? So this song wasn't written after everybody gets back and after everybody's celebrating, after the job's done, after they fortified the city, rebuilt the temple, put their enemies in the place. No, this was done, this song was written and celebrated and sung as this was just starting. So it wasn't at the, it wasn't at the high water mark. This was actually declaration, celebration, um, at the initial evidence of a distant rain, right? You, you got the picture? So it's not rain there. It's still dry and arid. But all of a sudden, the streams are flowing. In, in fact, uh, history tells us that they could have flood, flash flooding. And, you know, we know a little bit about that. But this was like a huge outpour on the mountains and within days all of a sudden all you get caught and in serious trouble uh, so this song the celebration that that we've just read that is Psalm 126 didn't isn't written afterwards it was literally written at the start when they were just starting to experience what was the evidence of a distant rainfall a rainfall that they couldn't measure or even be aware of because it was so far away, yet all of a sudden, something's happening. The water's flowing. And so um, the point is that often seasons could have already changed without the evidence of the change of the season. I, I remember a friend of mine who um, took me out one day on this big flashbulb and, and we did a bit of swimming and, and being towed in a tyre and all that stuff down to Broadwater. And, and I actually asked him when the invitation was, I said, is it, is, it, is it a bit cold for this? And he said, no, Dennis, no, you're right. We, the seasons have changed and, and it's starting to cool down. But the water is a season behind. It's still under the influence of, and it's, it's warm, and it was warm. It was a beautiful day. Uh, but this is similar here. Oftentimes, seasons will have changed, but we have no immediate evidence of that change because it doesn't. the season doesn't look like it's happening. You, you get what I'm saying? But here we have a picture of a season definitely changing, and the picture we're given is that of flowing water, but wait a minute, it hasn't rained in the conventional way, yet all of a sudden, things are changing. Water's flowing, and it was a distant downpour, and they're starting to enjoy the benefits of it. Um, so the point that, the first point I want to make is that the seasons could have already changed. We're not just experiencing the evidence of that change yet. And I'm talking over us as individuals, because I know most of us, are looking for something, are heading somewhere, and definitely as a church, corporately, there's some things in happening that we, we, we want to be involved in. And, and yet the season's suggesting, the evidence around us suggesting nothing's changed yet. 
But it could well be that that season has already changed. It's just that the benefits of that haven't reached us yet. And, and that's one thing to remember. So uh, as we said this morning, our singing, of course, our celebration is based on the character of God more than the seasonal evidence. To wait for fruit is not faith. To, to celebrate fruit before it comes, that's faith. We just got to start to understand how God works and start to see this in our own lives and start to respond to it as if it's already happening because this is what's happening with these guys. That's why in Psalm 126 verse 1 we read this, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, the people, when he brought the people back, it says, we were like those who dreamed. It's, and it literally means, not they're having dreams and visions, all spiritual, no, no it literally means, we can't believe this. We, it just doesn't feel right, look right. It, it's like we're saying, I, I'm not sure what I'm seeing right now, uh, but it looks like God just started to make a way. It looks like God's doing something. And so it says, you know, uh, they literally said, we were like those who dreamed. He's literally saying, I'm not sure if this is just imagination because you know what? Uh, I'm not sure how real this is, but it, there's indicators that something's happening, that something's, the season's already changed. You, you're getting that? I mean, it's pretty clear. I'm just, I need to build an argument. So, so he's just saying, um, we were like those with dream because we couldn't believe it was happening. We, we thought, is this just me making this up? Is, is this just me interpreting and letting hopeful or wishful thinking in, influence me and interpret the signs of God? Because we were like people that were having a... We, we dream. We couldn't tell what was real or not. We were like these people, those who dream. It was like we're not sure what we're seeing, but it's starting to look like God's made a way for us to go back home. And then it goes, they were starting to overtake in that. For those who were enslaved in captivity, there was no fanfare. There was no promotion. There was no royal declaration. They were just slaves. I know stuff was going on in the background. But for them, it wasn't like, oh, we've been looking for this day. It's, it's been promoted. It's in the calendars. It's going to be so exciting. It's all of a sudden this day came and they're, and they're going like, wait a minute, something feels different. Something's not the same. And, and that's how it was working for them. Um, it was one of those rare occasions, and usually we do this the other round, way around, but it was one of those rare occasions where the reality far exceeded the expectations. Usually we have really great and high expectations uh, that are underwhelming and nowhere near like the reality that happens. But in this case... It was those rare questions where the reality far exceeded their expectations. Like something's going on here. Something's changed. But what they were about to experience was greater than what they could ever imagine. And, and again, that's a lot like us in our lives. When God actually starts to work, when it's God, it's usually greater 
than what we can imagine. Have you found that? And even in our Christian walk, we, we get this teaching on faith and understanding. We step out and declare and stuff. And sometimes we have these extraordinary, these huge, these great expectations, uh, but the reality never matches up. But when God moves, his reality just far exceeds our expectations, surprises. And that's what's happening here. These people, they said, when this started, it was like we couldn't tell what was real or not. We were like those who were dreaming. We, it was visual thinking. It was, we hope this will happen. But one day, and it started to happen. And of course, it didn't just happen. It felt to them like it just happened because they've been in slavery so generations now. But, but it was like, okay, um, God has been working all the time. God is working all the time. And we sing the song about it, you know, even though I don't see you, even though I don't feel it. The truth is, the reality is that God's working all the time. And that's not just a nice sentiment. That's actually biblical. Jesus said that. He's been working from the, whole, from the beginning and he'll be working till the very end. It, stands, it sounds like and feels like that you think God's had a holiday or step back and just let you go for it. But the truth is, he's in amongst you. He's doing stuff. He's preparing stuff. He's setting the scene. There's some things you've got to unlearn. There's some things you've got to learn and realize. There's some things you've got to repent of and change. But unless you go through this, you probably won't realize it was actually your problem, not somebody else's. And so because of all this stuff that's going on in our lives, it, it appears like God's on holiday. Now here we are flogging our guts out in Calbar and God's gone to Malulaba. Yay for Malulaba. But the deal is this. He's never left us. He's never abandoned us. The truth is, he's, he's in this thing with us. And he's not only in there with us, being passively attached to us. He's actually using it and working and developing and challenging and changing. It, he's he's uh, getting you to think. He's The whole deal, it's just, that's the truth. So God was working the whole time. Uh, but now these people are starting to catch up because what he's doing is actually becoming, they're becoming aware of it. In Psalm 126 verse 2 then, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then uh, they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. I, this, use, this morning I used the phrase, and I like it, so I'm going to keep it and use it again, about the natural response. You know, they said, Jesus said, listen, if these guys didn't sing, the stones would get up and praise. And, and, and literally, that's the natural response. Not to praise is the unnatural response. Something unnatural has happened to you to limit you or prevent you. But, but now, wait a minute, but now he's saying this, the natural response is to respond to the creation. It's, it's, to, it's to live life that God planned and purposed for you as, as creator, to fulfill the reason. He, that, that's the natural response. And, and so laughing and singing, now based on what I said this morning, I'm going to go like this. Laughing and singing was the natural spontaneous response of celebration to what God was doing. Not what he'd done, they hadn't even entered into the fullness. They couldn't even believe what God was about to do. But the deal is they knew he was starting something. And their first response when they realized 
was laughing and singing. They're still, in the, they're still doing it tough. They've got a long way to go. And, and by the way, don't forget that when God brought them all back from captivity, he didn't bring the whole lot all at once. He brought little groups. And not just from there, but from everywhere. And he's still doing the same today. Little groups, little groups, little groups. So what, what amazing visionaries or faith people to start to celebrate like they've already reached the climax and yet God's only just starting. And so there's something of a lesson there for us. But laughing and singing was the natural, not forced, spontaneous response of celebration to what God was doing. That's what the Bible says. It was literally an overflow of their heart. Because in their heart, the unbelief, the doubt, the anguish, the grieving, the loss, the pain, had hidden everything, had suppressed them. But all of a sudden, hope starting. Remember this morning I talked about a flicker of hope that was down deep where nobody could even feel it or, or, or see it. And now all of a sudden that light's breaking through and this is their response to the hope that's growing in their heart. Something's happened, they've recognised it <coughs> a ways, but, and, and their natural response was hope which produced all this laughter and singing. Hmm. I know there was a while back where um, some forms of laughter was... Um, ostracized or separated or tried to be controlled and, and I understand that because there was a lot of flesh in that but at the core of this I, I believe there was something in our heart where hope was breaking through um, if it's true and I believe it's true then laughing and singing is the natural response to the good news of the gospel because that, that's, while that was part of God's strategy and plan and development of his people, um, while he was working on so many levels, it, it's again another picture of salvation. It's another picture of the good news. Um, God was indicating the significance of salvation and, and, and giving them pictures until the reality of Jesus appeared. And therefore, I say again that laughing... And singing is a natural response to the good news of the gospel for those that receive it. Not the seed just planted on the path or in the stones or in the weeds, but, but where that gospel is planted, where people get it, even though they don't fully understand the significance, I want to tell you the natural response to the good news of the gospel is laughing and singing. I know there's a lot of crying and stuff we've, we're going to read. We've read that in this passage and we'll touch on it lightly. Um, but for those who fully received, they'll be laughing and singing and it'll fill our environments. And where it's held on to long enough, that laughing and singing becomes part of our culture. Because our culture... Uh, and we're all incredibly influenced by culture. We, we might not see it clearly. We might think about other cultures. Yeah, that's obvious. But here, we have a culture, very strong culture. But the more we're embraced, the 
the kingdom and the more the kingdom embraces us, the more the culture of the kingdom supersedes the culture of our lives. Make sense? And so I'm suggesting here that the more we embrace the gospel, the more the gospel embraces us, the more that this laughing and singing is, is not just filtered through, but begins to change and influence and become our culture. Now, if that's true, it means I'm suggesting everywhere where people have really received the gospel, there'll be a lot of laughter. They'll be singing. And, and right now, you're probably thinking of some churches where there's not much laughter and there's not much singing. And I wonder if that's because they have the gospel, but they've embraced the legalistic, religious, the orchestrated understanding of the gospel, like the Ten Commandments, the law, the legal side of it, the, the rights and the wrongs, instead of what we've been dramatically learning of late, uh, that God loves people more than he loves the rules. I suggest where people love the rules more than they love people, they lose that laughter and, and they lose that singing. Am I, am I saying this right? Uh, I hope you can see this. Um, so, we embrace the gospel and the kingdom or the kingdom embraces us long enough, the laughing and the singing becomes part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. Even when the evidence is contradictory to this reality. Because there's something, there's a hope in our hearts. That there's the understanding of, of the picture we've been given about God and the character of God. Remember, we, we, we celebrate and we base things on this character, not what's happening in our environment, but on the character of God. And, and so I, I want to tell you, um, who's heard of Martin Luther? Martin Luther's obviously the famous, now the thesis of grace to the doors of the cathedral, started civil war in Europe. Uh, but the deal is, and out of that came the Lutheran church. But, but let me tell you what, and I found a direct quote for him that was so interesting. Martin Luther said, laughter and joy in the disciples, and I'm not sure if he means the disciples of Jesus' day or everybody who's a follower of Jesus becoming a disciple. Let's hope it's that. Martin Luther said, laughter and joy in the disciple comes by the authority of the Holy Spirit. That is a huge call. For laughter, singing, laughter and joy, he's suggesting that that only comes by the Holy Spirit only comes by his authority, that it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Our verse suggests that even unbelievers around the people of God will confirm that this is the work of the Lord. Remember we just read? The nations around will look and say, how the Lord has blessed them. Because it will be obvious, they haven't done this on their own. And, and look at them, they're not the same. And the only conclusion is that God must have done this. And, and they'll be so convinced by, by the dramatic nature of what they're witnessing, the joy, 
the laughter, the singing, the transformation, the restoration, that the nations around them, the people, the unbelievers, the unchurched around, will draw the conclusion that this is God. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Now here's, here's the hard bit. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall doubtlessly come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The, these, and, and we probably should, this deserves to spend a lot more time than we can give it on a Sunday night. But this does reveal the painful process, remembering that these people are in captivity because of their rebellion, their apathy, their betrayal, their adultery with false gods, and the consequences of that betrayal caused great loss for them, incredible pain and suffering for them. But in this down deep secret place, there was a glimmer of hope. And the encouragement is that no matter what the situation, circumstances of the environment around, what, what predicaments we find ourselves in, we've got we've to rest on, not hope in the rescue of God, but rest on the character of God. Rest on what we understand is the nature of God. Rest on God's proved himself. N not, that he, not that he had to, um, you know, turn his back, deal with them, punish them. No, no. That he was working all the time in them to bring them to a place where they could enjoy the full benefits of the presence of God. And it didn't come cheap. And to prove it, to confirm it, I, I just want you to listen to the prophet Isaiah, the points he's making when he's speaking of Jesus, right? So Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, again, famous verses you'll be familiar with. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, you sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There is a profound work going on. It's not just us suffering until we learn our lesson. It's God literally opening us up so he can transform us. He's literally dealing with things in our lives so that, that we can become more like him. It, it, it's profound and more than I can express in just a few moments, but, but this is incredibly 
important to line up with what we've just heard. That, you know, these people were taken in captivity and suffered great loss. Yet when they came back, they were different. The key is to hold on to that different, to keep growing. Sadly, and, and this is a physical, natural principle, it's the nature of fire to burn itself out. What, what do they call it, There's the principle where things are, everything's decaying? Apathy? Pronounce it right for me, somebody. Anth anth anthropy? Anth entropy. entropy. It's the if it's left on its own, it will die. So the key is this. We don't leave it on its own. We keep pressing in to the source of life. They reckon four generations and there'll be very little trace of the move of God that started this thing. Five generations, it'll be dead and buried. But that's the natural way. That's not the supernatural way. If we learn the lessons, and, and obviously that first generation, the next generation, they enjoy the benefits, learn the lessons and value it, but then it becomes so easy for the next generation and they ease off a bit and ease off it until, you know, there's no meaning at all. And we play the harlot with other, we call them false gods, but other philosophies in the world. Uh, the deal is it doesn't have to be that way, which is a different lesson. And, and, and we, we speak it in our children and we pay the price of wrestling with our children and we make them come to church and we sit them under the pews with colouring books. <laughs> and, 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 and we get to the place where, you know what, um, I'll live with the embarrassment of my kids making noise or playing around and upsetting people if it means that they will get something, they'll... They'll connect with something. They'll absorb something. Because as you know, as you know, in the spirit, more things are... Uh, cliche, apologize for so many cliches. More things are caught than actually taught. We need the explanation. We need the understanding. We need the teaching. But the truth is that real good stuff, it's caught. It's something you rub shoulders up. It's something that comes upon you. I'll never forget the day of my salvation where, you know... Um, I've shared this testimony so many times, but, but I went to church with my brother and just to sh literally to shut him up, to say, yeah, I've done that, now leave me alone because he was mithering me so much. That's a good English word, mithering. You know what mithering means? I mean, just on and on, annoying me, nagging. Just, and, and, and to stop that mithering, I agreed, okay, I'll come to church. And there's other reasons, factors in play that got me to that point. But the deal was, when I got in that church, and, and this is, you've heard this part of my testimony before, um, they started singing and clapping, which I've told you before. wasn't new to me. It just felt like the ter football terraces back in England. It was, and then they lifted up their hands and waving. And, and that, that was like, yeah, no, same, no problems at all, until they all started singing in tongues. And, I, and to my embarrassment, I thought, oh, no, I've come to a Wogs church, you know, I, don't, I couldn't understand what they were saying. Uh, but the deal is this, while I stood there, I felt a weight on my shoulder. I, 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 it was a hand, I knew it was a hand. 
and I had electricity, adrenaline. I loved it. I feared of it. Flowing my body, what seemed like probably hours, but it was just moments. But I've come to realize, and, and Jane would agree with me, I know, it was like Elijah and Elijah. When Elijah walked past the paddock and saw Elijah working, and, and God had told him, he's the one, anoint him. And Elijah walked past and threw his mantle on him. And Elijah's whole world changed in that moment. It was caught. It wasn't taught. When I was in that pew, when it was going, I was in the presence of God and he threw a mantle on me. And I felt the weight of it. It was caught. I, I tell you to my embarrassment, my ignorance, I knew nothing. Absolutely, literally nothing. I had no idea except this. I knew that God was real because I just had an encounter with him. I, I thought, and he probably was his hand on my shoulder, a heavy, a big, heavy hand. But I realized later he, he threw that mantle. He just Because he didn't stay. Well, he did, but not in a physical way. He threw the mantle, kept walking. I had to chase after him in a little while when I started to realize what was going on. But more things are caught than taught. So I applaud all the mothers and the fathers that bring their young children. Uh, I think it's so important. I know too many people, sadly, who won't bring their babies or young children because of embarrassment and disrupting others. Uh, but the deal is it's a spiritual thing. And, and what you're doing is you're actually saying... This isn't important enough for me to put up with the shame or embarrassment, the noise. Where it is so important, it's worth putting up. And, and the truth is, all the other people around you who are mothers and fathers empathize with you. And they know what it's like and they're there to support you. And we as a church, we, we praise them, we champion them for doing such great things. But my point is, it's caught more than taught and we have to keep creating and recreating an atmosphere where where people can come in and get close to God that he might throw his mantle on them I think I'm going to close with that when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion we were like those who dreamed we're not sure if this was real or not. We're not we can't quite figure it out, but we hope it is. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Their natural response to the hope that was growing was laughter and singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Then they said, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes from forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtlessly come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's bow our heads right now in prayer, shall we? Father, I thank you. I thank you so much. That the more we understand, the more we realize it's all about you. It's more and more about you. And our only responsibility is to walk with you. 
to be obedient, to be faithful, to be loyal to you, to stay close to you, to seek after you. Thank you, thank you that you, literally, it's all about you and you have all we need, oh God. And that beyond that, there are things you have planned that go beyond our comprehension. Some things that will happen in our lifetimes, several times, but some things that we won't see until eternity. Some things that are eternal, that one day we'll look back and we'll go, ha, ah, now I see what you were doing. Now I know why, and we will praise you all the more. So I pray right now for these people in this moment with me right now, that they'll be able to identify parts of their life with what we've just seen here. Even though there's been hardship, even though there's been mourning and grieving, even though there's been incredible pain and loss, Lord, none of it's wasted. You've used it. And as Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, all things, all things are turned around for good. Those who love and are called according to your purpose. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I pray for us as individuals right now that each and everyone in this place tonight would have this seed start to grow in them. This understanding, this revelation. They would start to know this truth and they would grow in this truth. Oh Lord, that even when they can't see the fruit, they'll be able just to be happy, be rejoicing, let their response to the hope that's in them just flow over and let there be laughter and let there be singing, oh God. Because we, we don't know what's going on, but we do know your character. We do know what you're like. So loving and so faithful with meaning and purpose in every single thing. Bring us to the place where we can rest in that truth and, and cause that truth to bring celebration no matter what we're going through. That we will be filled with your hope. Right now I ask. And I agree with Martin Luther right now. That it's by the authority of the Holy Spirit. This laughter and singing, this joy comes by the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit seal this thought help us grow in this thought help us become so aware and sensitive help us become move closer to you and be more obedient in that more sensitive to recognize to submit to oh Lord in Jesus wonderful name I pray your blessings, I pray your protection and your provision over us and our loved ones. I pray that we might find ourselves continually led by your spirit which will lead us into the favour of God and that we, each of us and our church will continually grow in the knowledge of our God. This I ask in Jesus' name and everybody said, well, God bless you. I hope you have a great week. And I uh, hope you do can stay and have some fellowship with us before you go home. Um, don't forget all the things that are happening. The ladies on Friday night. Sounds really interesting. Uh, and so, you know, keep in touch. There's stuff happening. If you have any needs, the prayer, prayer team's still going. And so um, we've had a couple of needs today. Keep up to date with that.
if you're on that prayer list and, and let's, uh, let's see the blessings of God flow even more through our church. Bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at firstfamchristianchurch.com.